Hello Naglets, hope you're well, I haven't done one of these for a couple of weeks, been a very few busy, well it's been quite a few busy weeks, I think we all feel that way at the moment with the run up till Christmas aren't we? So I've had some questions coming actually that I answered personally to those who messaged me but I'd actually really like to share these in today's podcast. So I'm not mentioning any names or nothing because they're quite generic like as in we've all experienced something like this at some point. So I thought it'd be really relatable um, as they're all barriers or sometimes things we're not sure about and don't always ask. Just remember that um, I'm always open to people to message me to ask questions about their health and fitness goals. Um, as at the end of the day, I'm happy just to help. Information's free, folks. People do not pay for information. You can Google that. You People pay for accountability, implementation and support and coaching. That is what you pay for when you come to a personal trainer. Which, if you do want to work with me online, if you're not local to me or if you are, or in person, you can always drop me an email at natalie at the nagpersonaltrainer.co.uk. Anyway, let's get on to question number one, because this could be a quick 30-minute one today. How much should I lift? So to be more specific, one of my clients who comes to my group session, she had a new program off me. It was mostly dumbbell-based because she wants to come away from machines. She wants to expand her knowledge on lifting, change it up a little bit, because there's nothing wrong with machines. I like putting people on there for beginners, but I'll mix them in even for experienced clients because they're a great piece of kit. When I say machines, I mean like, say, a chest press machine where you're pushing against resistance, a leg press, a leg curl, a lat pull down, for example. So she wanted to do more free weights. So I wrote her a dumbbell program. And rightfully so, she asked me, messaged me saying, I'm not sure what to lift, what to start with. Now, Again, with more context, she does come my group PT sessions and we use kettlebells, dumbbells. I've got a barbell using there. So I do have a rough idea what she could start with. But say she came to me and I've never met her, say for online coaching, for example, because uh, I write programs for online coaching as well. And you might be like, I don't know what to start with. Here's a little rule of thumb because... I am not psychic and every single person will lift different. No beginner lifts exactly the same weight um, if, say, you're a beginner coming to me. But I apply this principle every time. If you're, say, doing anything to do with the legs, you're probably going to lift heavy with your legs than you are with your upper body, simply because they're bigger than your arms. They're bigger muscles, they have more uh, arteries, vessels, they got more space to pump up, whereas your upper body, it taxes out quicker because it pumps up a lot quicker because the smaller, smaller extremities. So what I said to my client was, with your leg exercise, like for example, she's got a goblet squat, which is where you hold like a dumbbell or a kettlebell against your chest with both hands and then squat up and down. And I said, you'll be able to do heavier on that than you would for a chest press. So pick a heavier dumbbell what you'd use on that compared to say a dumbbell chest press for, for example most people if they've done at least some squatting uh, before and you've been coached how to or they've practiced some body weight and you say for online you sent some videos and i'm happy with the technique i'm like right you're ready to use some weights now i would say at least start with six or eight kilograms at least 
just to feel what it's like holding a weight there. And just make sure the technique's right. And the best way to know if that weight is right for you, so that weight might not be right for you right now. It might be it's too heavy, or you do, say, a set of 10 reps of squats with good form, full range of motion, not rushing through, and you can feel it working, but you're like, you know what, I could do five plus more if I wanted. Then I'd say to that person, you need to go up another dumbbell. So go from the eight to the 10. After your minute rest, go again, do another set of 10 of uh, goblet squats with the 10K dumbbell. And if they're like, oh, I could do about four more. Yeah, it's still all right. I'll say go to the 12. And then after they've had that minute rest, they do 10 reps on 12 kilograms, say for a goblet squat. And you're like, you know what? I've just about only got two to three reps left in me. Like it's burning my legs. It's starting to slow down the last few reps. Like I'm struggling to do the same tempo I was doing uh, on the pre on the seven reps. The last three got a little bit slow at the end. That would be right because you've got to imagine then the following week, you're going to do three sets of 10 on 12K. You can do the same on say a chest press or a shoulder press. You might start at say a lot lighter, maybe like four six kilograms depending so you've got to find your start point but i'd say exaggerate and go a bit lighter and just test it test the movement make sure it feels right the movement get the technique get someone to watch who's qualified in the gym if you're not sure um or if you've got an online coach get a video done or ask someone to do a video for your online coach to send through to check the forms okay the first week so i wouldn't worry too much if it's not difficult enough the first few weeks when you do a new plan even if you're still lifting heavy, I always drop my weights a bit when I do a new plan, just to re-establish a bit of technique. And there's no rush to go back up to where you were. You know, as long as you're working to some effort, that's the main thing as well. Which your effort right now could be just get the bloody technique well and good, and then apply more uh, resistance by adding more weight or doing more repetitions. So same with, the, say, a dumbbell chest press. It might be you start with two to four K because at the moment it feels a bit wobbly, a bit weird. So it's not hard. It just feels strange, the technique. And then a few weeks once it feels pretty good, pretty smooth. You're like, you know what? I could I could have kept going there because I'm used to the technique now. I'm going to go up to six kilograms. And again, I'll do my set of 10. This is an example with the reps and sets, by the way, in the rest period. This is just a generic one I'm going through. Um, so you might think I'll go and do three sets of 10 on six kilograms this week with about a minute to a minute and a half rest in between so i can't i can never give a defense definitive answer for that because everybody's different same as someone came to me doing a back squat or a deadlift um again i'd be like let's just check the forms right first on quite a light weight something that you could do 10 plus reps on so we'll just go light on purpose like just the bar uh or say with a deadlift you use uh, light bumper plates use a light bar just get that form and we'll just keep going up Sometimes I've done that with clients, like either I've been there in person or they've been doing it themselves online. And I'm like, just go up every set until it, it till your technique starts to go a little bit because you won't get injured because you just won't be able to do as many reps. And then you pick the one where it's challenging, but you can just about complete the whole set. And that's the weight you're going to start with. So don't be scared or feel wimpy to start light. Because I would say form over weight. Once you've got the form, go up and keep going up until that form starts to go a bit. So that means that's the weight you've got to start working on or work towards to get the technique right and build strength to doing good form. Because that's a good way of working on progressive overload. 
And this is why we say to people, stop fucking program hopping. Because <laughs> I've been there and done it, where I've done a plan for barely two or three. I was lucky four weeks sometimes, and I've jumped straight to another program. You will not stick with it, the gym then. You won't stick with weight training. You need to be on a weight training program, like a program written up for you by somebody, for at least, if you're a beginner, 12 weeks. Stick to the actually same, the same plan. To work on it, to enjoy it, is increase the weight every week if you can. Get better at the technique. Be present in your training. Don't just rush through. Make sure you're having adequate rest in between sets so you can perform at 100% on that next set coming up. By all means, if you're able to jump in after 30 seconds and perform a set of, say, 10 reps on a goblet squat on 12k, no problem. It's not heavy enough. You need to go heavier, so you'll need that body rest. So just understand that as well. But also, like I say, the extra tip there, don't program hop. Stick with the plan and aim to progress every week, whether it's technique, adding more weight, adding more reps, add a set if you want to so go to four sets or up to five sets if you want to. Um, slower tempo on the easy part of the lift, which on the squat would be the lowering phase. You know, find ways to make it harder every week, basically. So your body has to progress because that is the key for muscle growth. You want to get toned, you need to grow muscle. So you need to add progressive overload. Chopping and changing it's not too bad for a beginner at the start, but as some as you become more experienced at lifting and your body gets used to it, you're actually better off sticking to the bread and butter of lifting. It's actually pretty basic what you have to do. It doesn't need to be fancy. Okay, so that's my first question answered. Question number two. This is one I received actually today while uh, doing this podcast now. Um, basically, someone messaged me who's had a patella dislocation uh which is like your kneecap so same with what i suffered about five years ago now so they dislocate their kneecap and basically they're asking me about uh, how long is the recovery process just from my experience um what exercises you have to do and you know what what basically what the hell should i do now just to clarify i'm not a physio so i can't technically say i can prescribe you to do this but what I will say is, from personal experience, this is what I did. But please, please, please speak to a professional based on what you need when it comes to any injury or illness. So in this person's case, I said, have you had physio yet? Have you, has your physio given you exercise to do? And have you been checked out? So it turns out they've got a grade two tear. Um, just to clarify that, I had one of them on my calves last year. <laughs> my calf, my calf. And it basically means I haven't got I have an operation, thank God, but it means I can rehab it, but it means it's going to take a while to rehabilitate. Um, I actually don't know if I actually tore any of my ligaments because when they did my x-ray after my dislocation, uh, there was no actual damage by the looks of it. No, They did not mention any tears or anything, so I think I was quite lucky. Uh, but this person has it, maybe a slightly longer recovery, and it can be frustrating now. This is for anybody. Now, the advice I'm going to give you is quite general. If you have any injuries, first off, do as your fucking physio tells you to do. Because you're not going to be fixed by just going to see your physio once every six to eight weeks. You've got to do the work. Just like personal training, we give you the tools and we give you the advice and guidance and support what you need to do yourself. Take responsibility, own it 
of your health and fitness. You know, we can't make you do it. We can advise you, we can encourage you to do it, we can set you goals to work towards, which is what um, my physio did. I decided to have a private physio instead. Luckily, he's a friend of a friend and he came around to my house when I dislocated my knee and straight away he gave me homework to do. And I wanted stuff to do. I wanted to be able to help myself because I hated not being in control of the situation. And because, again, I've come from a fitness background, I want to get back to fitness as quick as possible, like we all do. We don't want to be sitting there wallowing and being injured, especially if you're young, it's happened to you. Well, I don't think it matters what age it is and it happens to you. It's just frustrating. And it will feel demoralising. It can feel quite isolating because when it's your lower limb, you can't drive, you can't walk. So you've lost a lot of your independence almost. And it does make me wonder how people with disabilities like missing limbs do it, man. I fucking take my hat off to them. But do as your physio tells you. If they say to you, you need to do three sets of these exercises three times a day, three sets of each as well every time, no matter how boring it is, just do it. I prom- promise you now, you will benefit recovering faster. If you're like, I can't be arsed, I haven't got time, oh, this or this and this excuse, you've got a once-in-a-lifetime injury now where you won't have to do this physio stuff forever. You'll just have to do it and make time for it. It just has to become a priority if you want to get better. Um I mean, most of the time you get signed off for injuries like this um, or you can adapt how you do things. So when I say tour my car, I mean, I run a business, so I know it feels you're like, I can't be off work. Um, and I'm a mobile personal trainer as well. So I was on my crutches and while I couldn't drive for the first three days, um, luckily my clients were fantastic and they were giving me lifts and my missus was and my business partner Kate was. You know, I had a really good support system. So make sure you build in that support system. So that was the main thing I had was a support system. I had a plan. I had the right professionals to help me, which was my physio. Uh, if you're doing NHS, it might be with the NHS, they are, they're fantastic, but they are overworked. So it might be they're going to give you rehab just to get you back to function. If you want to get past further than that, if you're into health and fitness, once you've got like the function, I would then pay for a couple of sessions with a really good private physio local to you. There's loads where I live in Stone. We've got a really good little healthy kind of health focused town. Um, like I said, I use Jason from Stone Physio. There are plenty of other great physios in the area. I've not known a real bad one in the area private wise, uh, but do pick someone you're going to work well with as well, because you might, you've got to get on with them just like personal trainers or a driving instructor. You need to get on with them. Else <laughs> it's just not going to be as enjoyable. You're probably less likely to do the work. Um, so make sure you go with someone you're probably going to click with. I would say, so have a, probably a chat with them beforehand if you can, like through the consultation, which most of the time they're free or they're not, they don't cost a lot to have. But it'd be worth having just a couple of sessions or something once a month where they assess, they give you the homework, probably give you a bit of treatment and then you crack on with the homework, they give you goals to work towards and then next time you see them, hopefully you've been doing your physio and you've made progress and it'll progress you on to the next thing, which is what I loved every time I saw my physio. When we started seeing each other less because I was cracking on with it, I didn't need to see him every week eventually. Um, he just sent me homework, like little markers to aim for. And I quite liked that because it's very demoralising doing the same physio over and over. But when he's like, now you can do this, I'm like, oh, I'll add something different in. 
Um, you know, I was excited, so I cracked on with it so I could move on to the next thing. So I, like I say, dislocated my knee, uh, say, in, I think it was about end of June, uh, five years ago, and I was back kickboxing in November the same year. I was wearing a knee brace, but I was back and I was sparring. Um, I wasn't doing spinny kicks and all that, but I could do roundhouse kicks, front kicks. I just took my time. Um, and over the months, as I got more confident, I started to wear my knee brace less. And gradually, I phased out the physio because I was back doing normal weightlifting. So doing doing squats, uh, lunges, Romanian deadlifts. So I had built that strength back up. Um, I mean, this person who's messaged me, I have sent just a starting exercise what I had just to compare what she's been sent already. Um, but I did say, make sure you do what your physio tells. That's the main thing. Have a good support system. And also, to keep you sane, you can do upper body work and core work. So still, if you can, if you've got a bit of support and somewhere to help you and you've got all you've got crutches, you know, get yourself to the gym or get yourself some weights at home and do an upper body workout like three days a week. So I don't thought I'll just jack my upper body up. Uh, I did some core work. Um, I watched loads of martial arts um, fights and all sorts because that's what I'm into. So study or watch stuff that you're into sport wise. Uh, I enhanced my nutrition a bit more because my, my lifestyle wasn't actually that great before I dislocated my knee. So it gave me a chance to slow off and actually sort it out. So my nutrition got better. Um, I actually lost, a lot of people don't know this. I was about over 60 kilograms at one point, which for someone who's five foot five, it's not overweight. I didn't feel overweight. I wasn't unhappy with my body. Um, but I actually ripped up because I was eating better, as in I was probably in a calorie deficit. I probably was maybe overeating and not active enough, even though I thought I was, because I was going to the gym four or five days a week. But then with part of my rehab, I had to walk more. I had to uh, build up my leg strength through walking quite a bit. And I got into the habit of commuting to the gym, which I literally live up the road from the gym I was working at at the time. <laughs> like, it's a 10-minute walk, and I used to drive down just because, especially shift work, I just couldn't be arsed. Um, and I used to drive down, especially if was a little bit of rain, Whereas after that injury, I walk everywhere as much as I can because I appreciate it 10 times more. And I didn't realise how important it was at that point, even as a personal trainer, uh, you know, all that time ago, how important it was to increase my NEAT, my non-scheduled like activity, just my general movement. Now I'm doing this podcast, I'm actually walking about while doing it, holding my phone. Um so I started to build better habits and to see it as an opportunity to think, well, what can I really zone in on? So at the time when I couldn't obviously, uh, say, do squats and do weightlifting as much. So instead, I'd focus on trying to improve my nutrition. So I was like, right, I'm eating adequate protein. It turns out actually I wasn't. I was not very consistent with it. So I started planning my meals out because I was stuck at home for four weeks, signed off work at the time. A uh, bit difficult cooking a little bit because I couldn't stand on one leg for too long. So I had to make sure I did meals that were easy and quick to do, like slow cooker recipes with loads of them, like just throwing stuff in, quickly chopping. Tip if you're really on, struggling on one leg because that good leg's going to get tired. You find out how hard it is to stand on one leg. Again, how do amputees do it? I don't know. Fair play to them. They live like that. Um, put a chair near your kitchen and chop up so you can sit down and have a break. <laughs> if you've got a bar stool, even better because you can sit down and chop. Um, but our services are quite high and I haven't got bar stools. So I hope that helps with 
what to do if you've got an injury. And I know some people, well, even I felt, felt this way, I fucking hate using crutches. And again, it just shows how the world and how things are designed are not great for people who are struggling with disabilities, like physical disabilities, moving about, like wheelchairs, uh, using crutches forever or A-frames uh, for support. Um, because it's a pain getting out of your car, you've got to remember to pick it up, getting up and down. And it does feel a bit... I'm mean, a little bit dehumanising, I guess, when you're used to not having to use it. But I just a word of advice on this and something I nearly fucked up on when I was rehabbing. I was trying my best not to use my crutch quite early on. Um, but my gait, the way I was walking, was suffering, which meant I'd end up having a poor walking gait, which is going to later on cause hip issues, back issues, ankle issues. And then eventually your knee actually suffers overall because they're your slave drivers. And one of my ex-members of staff I used to work with, she was great. She'd come in to me and goes, what are you doing? And literally she made sure I was using my crutch on my bad side um, to walk properly, heel toe, walking through my gait. Don't try and jump too early because you're just going to fuck things up and end up back to square one. Um, I didn't need an operation or anything, but I know quite a few clients lately with bad injuries or operations and they're trying to rush off the crutch. And I'm like... You're going to be back to square one. So just use the crutch, just suck it up and use it. I'm going to be dead frank there. And yes, I hated using mine as well. Do you think I'd want to be on a crutch all the time? Hell no, who does? Um, but you just got to do it. You got to screw what everyone else thinks and be like, you know, one of my clients blessed and they said they feel like a fraud with it. Might, but you're not. You know that. Who gives a shit what they think? If you want to get better, you're just going to have to use them. You're not going to use them forever. You're going to use them now to help you to get off them eventually. So there you go. There's my advice on what to do if you're injured, especially low um, or needless locations. Um, also remember, just with injury, you will have weeks where sometimes you feel like you're making no progress. I was there, or some days, and you'll have the odd day, think I'm getting better, and then the day after it feels worse. That's normal as well. But eventually, if you keep doing what you're supposed to be doing, it will get better over time. And I can't remember what it was like now. I just remember it being a pain in the arse, frustrating, but also a big life lesson in I took away what I could from it. You can also use it as a test to see how resilient you are and how disciplined you are, because I tell you what, it freaking tests your patience as well. Okay, we have time for one more question. Like I said, there's three questions. This one's probably quite, an, I think most people are feeling this way at the moment. So one of my clients basically saying they're struggling to stay in their calories or track um, they feel like they're just basically snacking all the time. Like, so the meals are fine, but they're eating, like, say, chocolate coins because it's Christmas time coming up. Um, you know, celebrations, other chocolates available. Uh, but basically, all that food is readily available around us, isn't it, at the moment? It's in your face, and it is every year, isn't it? And they're basically getting a bit annoyed that they're just scoffing through their day through these tasty treats. So, first off, Ask yourself, stop a moment before you actually have them go, why do I actually want them? Is it because I'm bored? I just want something to do my hands. Is it because I just want to feel good and comforted because it's cold at the moment and I just want some of that comfort? Uh, is it because I feel a bit stressed and emotional because of the time of year we're at? So figure out your why first because then you might actually not, that isn't what you actually need. Like temporarily, it'll feel like it's fixed the issue, like putting a plaster on it. But 
then later on, as most plasters do, because they're shit, they come off and you've got to try and put another one on then. So then you're back and forth, <laughs> going back and forth trying to fix the problem with a shitty, sticky plaster that doesn't work very well. But instead, you want to nip that issue in the bud. So if it's boredom, for example, go and do something else. You know, if it's not going to serve you, go and do something else. So there's option one. Go, you know, stop and think, you know what, let's go do something else for 30 minutes. If after 30 minutes you're like, you're still wanting it, okay, because sometimes it is the case, you're like, you know what, I still don't fucking have it. And if it is the case, don't sit around for 30 minutes with a timer, by the way, looking at the clock. Go and actually do something productive. Because we all know this. If we've got, like, in the past where you've had to do assignment work, um, you know, anything where it requires a lot of concentration, it's going to take time, you've forgotten about hunger. Because hunger does come and go. You've even forgotten about cravings. In fact, if anything, you end up doing longer than 30 minutes. And you realise, you know what, I actually didn't need it. It's okay, it's fine. And just crack on, move onwards. But if it is a case of you know, an hour or so later, and you feel suddenly marving, it might be you need something proper eat and not actually just the snacks. Next thing, if it is emotional, like as in, I think this time of year, like I say, a lot of stress because not only have you got, you're trying to get your work done, even I'm in that situation, and you, because you want to be able to have as much time off over the Christmas period to relax. You know, it's an opportunity to have some time off and because everywhere shuts down, a nice time to spend time with family with loved ones and you don't want to be thinking about work and you come home you're stressed you've not had much time to have proper meals maybe and again you're reaching grabbing for the sweets and that because you want that bit of comfort you want that temporary high that temporary fix but then later on you're like why the fuck did I have them you kind of have that attitude like you know it's, it's offsetting my goals it's not serving me so can we find something else to de-stress that will probably work a bit more permanently and a little bit longer than like a quick 15, 30 minute high? So for me, it would be probably, I, I'm actually got my old Game Boy, which my family found for me and I'm into Pokemon. So instead of being on my phone as well, which is quite nice because it's away from my phone, it hasn't got a bright screen either. I have to play in light. Um, I don't know if they'll find it, but I did have a clip on like screen, like magnified it and lit it up. Uh, this is how old school it is. It's from like, um, I think it's like early noughties. I think I had it. It's the Game Boy Color. Uh, and I play on that for a bit. Or I've always got stuff to do, like programs or like I study, I read. I might go for a walk. If Steph's home, we just sit and have a chat uh, or go do something. Um, I might draw, you know, I'll just go off and go do something else basically to try and wind down. I might even just do 10 minutes of relaxation. I've even done on the weekend because I felt so overwhelmed. I thought, you know what, I just want to sit, have a bath and just soak and do nothing for like 15 minutes just to wallow in a nice hot bath because it was comforting. I could do my breathing as well where I just do simply four second breath in and a really slow six second breath out because it calms you down a bit more doing a slower breath out. Whereas when you take, try and breathe in quickly or big breaths in, um, it increases the oxygen in your body. It's almost like when you try to go for a run, you don't breathe out slow, do you? You actually inhale quite a bit because uh, you want the oxygen into your blood to pump around the body to keep you moving. But you actually want to slow down. So you want to exhale slowly in a shorter, normal breath in. So like breathing exercises, uh, meditation, relaxation. If you're not into that and it feels a bit hippie-like doing that, um, you know, one of my favourites, what another PT mentioned called James Smith, which a lot of you all know about, he calls it just go and do 10 minutes of fuck all. 
And don't fret a thought to pass through your head. That's okay. Just 10 minutes, no technology, no TV, nothing. Just lie there, chill, eyes open or shut. This could be sitting in your car waiting to pick up your kids. It could be you're stuck in traffic. You know, I was going to turn the radio off and then I'm just going to have 10 minutes of just peace for a moment. Whatever passes through, passes through the head. I think people think meditation has to be strict and your head has to be completely empty. It's normal to allow thoughts pass through. That's absolutely fine. It's normal. It's just you haven't got like your phone, you're doing it on. You're not on your laptop. You're not looking at the TV. It's just nothing. You just actually have a bit of time where it's just you in your head and nothing else. So have a think of replacing the way you cope with stress uh, with how you feel as well. Journaling is another one. I know some people find that really cheesy, but I'm actually on board with it now. I would not ever think I would be into that. Um, but it does really help me to empty my head, especially I like doing it in the evening, but also the one I've got prompts me to do a bit in the morning as well. So it sets me up for the day. I don't feel overwhelmed for the day. I know what I've got to do. Uh, there's loads of great journals out at the moment, which I've got prompts in. Um, if you want like my, like my style, which I've got, it's like a two, three minute one you do in the morning and the evening. It's by the Food Medic or Dr. Hazel Wallace, as she's known as. And it's called the Habit Journal. That's a brilliant one. And then another one is Emma Story Gordon's, which I love the name for this, the VJ Journal. She so called it that on purpose. Uh, but I gifted that to, I think I got it for Kate and another client. And they really like it again. It's got really good little prompts in. But most journals and habit trackers are brilliant for that. But I think buying some of prompts in is, is the best idea. And then normally you can review your week at the end of the week and then, and then plan your week for it. And that can really help again with that stress relief as well and working on your mindset. Because mindset is everything. If you're in a bad mood, are you going to train? Less likely to, aren't you? You probably need to more so when you're in a bad mood. Normally I get great training sessions out of clients who come in absolutely in one. <laughs> I just know it when they come in. I'm like, right, they're having it today. And they'll enjoy it and they do. Um so, yeah, so I hope that helps, folks, with that side of it. Um, other than that, if it's just a case of you're just craving it, because it's the thing with this time of year and eating foods like that, it's 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 kind of like the memory with it, isn't it? You know, like, so for me, uh, a cherry chocolate orange uh, is Christmas to me. Mince pies is Christmas to me as well. I, I, I'm, not, I'm not going to lie to you now. I have a mince pie a day. And people go, oh, how do you do that? Look the way you do because I don't eat a box of mince pies in one day every single day. I will have a mince pie and I'll enjoy it. My favourite is Slow Gin from Aldi. I know there's other mince pies available, but that's a really nice mince pie. And I normally have it straight after a meal. So I'm a little bit full already anyway. Um, and I can sit and enjoy that with a brew. And it's really nice. And I savour it. I don't wolf it down because I want to acknowledge I've ate it because I really like it that much. And I, The biggest thing with stuff like this is one sit without distraction and eat it slowly and enjoy it because you're less likely to want another one after if you just scoff it down i inhale it which i used to do with food to be fair you're more likely to want to eat the next one and before you know you've a fucking pack and that's the same with like those gold chocolate coins i love them at christmas because it's proper childhood to me um because we used to nick them off the tree at my grandparents <laughs> me and my siblings and you know i could easily eat a whole little bag of them uh, but whereas now I'd be like, you know, if I buy them in, I buy them when I've got friends coming around and I scat them around on the table. People just pick them up and have the odd one. Um, but if you do end up eating, you know, a couple of moments pies than usual, 
or you've had about 10 bloody celebrations, just think, right, next time, I'm probably one of wolfed it down, I'm going to sit down after my tea, I call it tea, guys, breakfast and the tea, just to clarify, and around Christmas, I'm in dessert, and I'm going to actually just have in a little picky dessert, <laughs> uh, but plan it into my goals, so plan it into with your meal, so you might be have a mince pie and you have four of your favourite celebrations, for example, or two after eights or a couple of uh, those cherries, chocolate orange segments. So keep it really simple like that and sit and enjoy it. Do you know what I mean? You know, rather than getting up and getting them again, put it on a plate and serve it because you've got to have the effort of going back and getting them. And make sure you don't leave them out on the bloody table. The fruit bowl should be on the table with loads of fruit, and especially if you've got children because most of you will be buying stuff in for kids. You know, put that on show because you want your kids eating better. You know, have pieces of fruit in your face and veg. And then things like your tubs of chocolate and that, put them in the cupboards where you have to get effort to get them. So we've got like this bottom cupboard, which is almost like a corner and it's dead awkward to go in. So we tend to put our crisps and stuff down there. And we found actually we have them in for weeks, stuff like that now, because we only go in when we actually really want them uh, or we plan it in with our meals, me and my missus. So... It's a great way of doing it. We never have them out like you would when I've had it where a grown-up, the tin of chocolates has been out on the side. Put them away in a bloody cupboard and have your fruit bowl out. Make it less available and make the other thing more available that you want more of. You know, again, it's about balance. I'm not saying don't have some celebrations or don't have some Terry's chocolate orange segment uh, or don't have a portion of homemade tiramisu around this time or any time of the year. If you can't fit those things into your goal now, you will struggle with long-term fat loss or long-term maintaining it as well. Everyone can lose weight. The, the, you look at the statistics of how many people successfully lose weight, there are many, but how many people maintain weight is minimal. It's really poor because we are in an obesogenic environment at the moment. We can't change all of the environment, but in our own homes we can. Like I just said, changing what's in front of you all the time and what isn't in front of you you know sitting down and putting it on like a little serving plate to enjoy you know rather than having the box there and just going in and out back and forth making it less available i hope you found this helpful today all three of those questions i think they're applicable for all time of the year to be fair but if you do have any questions you'd like me to bring up in the podcast or future lives I'm hoping to do, I'm looking at also getting some clients on as guests so they can talk about their experience and what we've worked through. Um, you can send me an email to natalie at the nagpersonaltrainer.co.uk or on my Instagram at the nagpersonaltrainer. If you'd like to, me to work with you and help you with your health and fitness goals, fat loss to just getting fitter, building strength, and be able to have still a slice of cake and enjoy life. Again, just drop me an email or a DM to my Instagram at the Nag Personal Trainer. I'm always happy to help. And I'd love to be able to help more people, especially online for my online coaching. I've got availability for one client. I've got a bit of flexibility in the daytime at the moment. So if you're working from home or have lunchtime free, like an hour, you know, I'm available in Stone, Staffordshire. I'm a mobile personal trainer, so I can come to you. So even if you've got a little bit of space and minimal kit, I can train you at your home. Um, or depending if it's free, you can come to uh, the garage gym where me and Kate are based most of the time and have coaching in our multiple big kit set up in our garage gym, which has got a squat rack, a barbell, everything. Whatever suits you. Um, but if you need that help, you need that support, you need that accountability, 
drop me an email or a message at natalie at the nagpersonaltrainer.co.uk or at the nagpersonaltrainer on my social media. Thank you for listening. And as always, I appreciate if you share this with one other person so it helps somebody else. Thank you.